Hello, and welcome to a special episode of Cindy's Political Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross, and once again, I want to thank you for the tremendous response to my political specials. Uh, my last political show uh, was trending uh, in the, the New York metropolitan area and was actually written up in Newsday. So I feel that it is really important to continue these series, especially as we're getting closer to local elections, especially as headlines about politics, about local elections, about national elections are really taking such a center stage in our lives. So many issues that are affecting us from waking up in the morning to going to sleep, whether or not it's the cost of eggs rising, gas prices, border security, critical race theory. Every single day, there's another issue. And many of us are angry, frustrated, confused, feel helpless, and just don't see a future. So tonight, we're going to focus on a future. So welcome into my corner. My welcoming tonight is about hope for the future. Believe me, if you ask people probably in 1929 during the Depression, they never thought that, you know, two decades later, three decades later, the United States would be the superpower that it is. Who would have ever thought that somebody who suffered through a Holocaust would be an owner of a real estate development, star in a movie, have their children graduate from schools with advanced degrees. But that's our world, and we're just at a downtime. But it's up to us to make those changes. Tonight, you're going to hear from three individuals that aren't going to just sit back. They're risking it all. They're risking it as candidates. One is risking it as a founder of a publishing house, especially geared to children, as an answer to our demands to stop critical race theory, common core, public school corruption and scandal, and getting back to basics of success in education. It's very interesting to see how people are thinking because what a lot of people discuss among some friends, they discuss differently with others, publicly and privately. I'll give you the best example of one guest tonight. Steve Lodge, many of you know from his relationship with an original housewife, Vicki, from the Real Housewives of Orange County. You knew Steve was special because he wasn't putting up with the nonsense and he was not making himself a scandal like other previous men on that show. He stood up for himself. He stood up for Vicky, his family, her family, and was an awesome grandfather to Vicky's grandsons. 
But there's so much more to him. We know he's in law enforcement. He's been a commissioner involved with budgets, safety, business owners. He has a background that he'll tell you about. And he's willing to risk it all because he believes in our country. Our other candidate has become a very dear friend, Mike Cargile. Mike Cargile ran in 2020 for Congress. And he, with about a half a dozen other candidates, saw something wasn't kosher in California. But you know what? We don't hear about California because it wasn't one of the swing states. It's up to us whether or not you're a registered Democrat, a registered Republican, an independent, someone who's not registered at all, but is legal, to make up our minds and get involved, to buy the products that support our values, like the books from Brave, and to support candidates who have our values and believe in America first, who believe that this is a country worth saving and making even better than before. So sit back and listen carefully. And more importantly, after you listen, reach out to them. Remember, these candidates are here through grassroots efforts because they need you and appreciate you. They want to make your home a better place to live, your community, your friendships, all better. You don't want to have to put on the TV first thing in the morning and watch the news of gang violence or COVID closings or the price of food just so high that you can't afford to buy basics anymore. Forget about luxuries. And we're tired of watching leaders around the world looking at what was once America first, simply becoming America last. Tell me what you think of my open. You can reach out to me through my social media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, through my website, cindyscorners.com, and I'll be happy to speak with you and connect you with candidates. Because of the wonders of social media, because of the advances in technology, you can help a candidate that has your values and your goals, regardless of where you're from, whether or not it's through phone calls, helping to send out mailings, and getting the word out through your social media. After the commercial, our first guest. Selling a home can be expensive and stressful. Remax IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar, stress-free, and fast. Just ask Joseph M. from Brooklyn. Remax IQ made it easy. No for sale sign. I had offers in days. I saved $10,000 in commission and I was in contract fast. If you are thinking of selling, Remax IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. 
our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar, stress-free, and fast. To learn more, call 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. We're not a discount broker. We're Remax IQ. Speak with a top agent today. 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. Or visit RemaxIQ.com. Terms and conditions apply. Visit www.remaxiq.com slash disclaimer. Welcome back to Cindy's Political Corner, our very special edition of Can We Turn California Red? Leading that march to D.C. is somebody who has such passion about it that he's leading the voter integrity of California. Uh, Mike Cargill is running for Congress. Many of you know he ran in 2020. He's going to talk a little bit about it, about his experiences as a candidate then and a candidate now and why now more than ever, California must turn red. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you so much, Cindy. It's an honor and a pleasure as usual. So tell us a little bit because this is really key to what you're about and uh, one of the reasons that people are so uh, angry and frustrated. They believe, like many people believe and like you believe, that Donald Trump won and that if if he really did lose, why are the Democrats so afraid to go through legitimate uh, research and find the truth out and prove the truth? Tell everybody your story. Sure. Well, California went red in November in my district. Now, I'm in the 35th district in Southern California, just east of Los Angeles. At one end of my district, I have one of the greatest drag strips in the country at the Fairplex in Pomona. At the other end of my district, I have a NASCAR track, the Auto Club Speedway. Now, you tell me what kind of people like drag racing and NASCAR. And, oh, and by the way, I have four churches in my district that have 10,000 plus members. And you're telling me that a Guatemalan communist who's a huge winner of awards from, from Planned Parenthood, uh, she loves killing babies, got reelected in my district? I don't think so. Not even close. But here's how you can tell. California, during the primary, before the general went, they had two people at the top of the ticket. For the Democrats, they had Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. Joe Biden did not win California. Bernie Sanders did. So you're telling me that the loser of the primary got historic voter turnout for the November election? It's ridiculous. And then on top of that, we saw, because they took a full month to count the votes, every single update. On night one, they established the ratio. Mine was 70-30. The less than half the votes had been counted. But every single night, the Secretary of State would issue an update. And every single update, no matter how many votes I got, whether it was 5,000, 10,000, 1,000, my opponent got just enough to keep the 70-30 split. It's ridiculous. She did not win. But, okay, I, I I never conceded the race. 
I'm still running. In my mind, she's simply keeping my seat warm. And I've had some guys run forensics on this race, the same guys who are supplying data to people like Mike Lindell and these guys. They looked hard at my race, reverse engineered it. They said you won by almost 7,000 votes. And that's that's about right, because we had a turnout here for President Trump. We had seven and a half miles of cars, not the route, but cars end to end show up for a Trump rally. The state went red and they flipped it because of a fraudulent system. And that's why I joined this lawsuit. I'm part of the most important lawsuit in the nation. And now I sort of characterize it as the most important in the world, because as California goes, so goes the nation. And as the United States goes, so goes the world. If we lose this place, the world goes dark. And I'm not going to allow that. Well, you are a fighter, and I'm very honored to call you my friend because not only are you worried about your own race, you're worried about all the races in California, and you're worried about voter integrity across the country. I mean, everybody talks about Georgia, Arizona, but you're really helping states that are often ignored by the RNC and candidates, which is really key. Uh, We would have... I cannot have you on the show and not talk about what's going on with Gavin Newsom and the gubernatorial race. Sure. We have a special recall election coming up. The citizens of California have that ability to recall our governor. Unfortunately, this is the reality of it. The same system that put Gavin Newsom in place is the same system that stole the election from president Trump. And it is the same system they will use for the special recall election the same Dominion machines, the same mail-in ballots, the same ballot harvesting. It's all the same. The same. We have the most bloated voter rolls imaginable. Uh, and there's a, there's a federal law against that, the HAVA Act. And they're supposed to purge the rolls every once in a while. California said, you know what? We're going to interpret that more as a recommendation than a mandate. So they never purge the rolls. So everyone who's ever lived in California is going to get a ballot and they know where all these people live and they know where all those ballots will wind up. And that's sort of, you know, that if we get to the the crux of this, uh, the president of EIPCA, the Election Integrity Project, California, who's my co-plaintiff, she characterized it the best I've ever heard. She said election fraud is like a spider's web. Okay, there's this ugly, nasty spider in the middle and you can pull one strand off and the spider will run up and it'll replace that strand. And that's exactly what happens with the voter fraud. That's right. Each strand is one strand to the Dominion voting machines. Another strand is the mail-in ballots. Another strand is the ballot harvesting. Another strand is no ID. You know, there's all these strands. That's right. And the only way you fix this is to pull the whole thing down at once and smash the spider. Okay, that's what this lawsuit does. It goes after, go ahead, sorry. I was just going to ask you, please explain to everybody your historic lawsuit. And it, I want everybody to listen carefully because mainstream media, me, I'm sorry, mainstream media will not put anything up for you to learn about it. And even some of the uh, news outlets that we consider conservative are ignoring it. So this is really a unique opportunity for our listeners to learn about this historic lawsuit. 
Thank you. And this lawsuit is right now headed to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. And that's kind of a big deal because of what happened in Arizona. And let me back you up a little bit. A few weeks ago, the Supreme Court sided with the state of Arizona and it reversed the Ninth Circuit because Arizona said, you know, this ballot harvesting is it should be illegal. And the Ninth Circuit disagreed, but the Supreme Court disagreed with them. They said, yeah, it really should be illegal. And the data they relied on to make that decision was provided predominantly by my co-plaintiff using California data on how bad the voter, the ballot harvesting, or we call ballot trafficking, has been in California. So the Supreme Court's already put the Ninth Circuit on notice. And this is key because that's where we're headed. And they're trying everything to do to stop us from getting there. Now, what this lawsuit does, see, the, you have to ask yourself, why did the Supreme Court take that Arizona case when it threw out that big case that Texas brought, you know, and they threw it out on standing? It was ridiculous. But what they were doing was they were telegraphing to the rest of the nation. We're not going to be put in the same position we were with Bush v. Gore years ago down in Florida, where they decided a national election. They said, we're not going to do that ever again. So you can keep your election lawsuits, which is fine because our attorneys, our brilliant attorneys said, all right, we're going to keep the judges right in that lane. We're not going to ask them to look at elections. We're going to ask them to look at statutes, laws, regulations. So we are targeting about 21 laws and regulations in the state of California were filed in federal court using federal congressional candidates. That gives us two sides of standing, which is wonderful. So this, the, the, the lawsuit itself is using the U.S. Constitution, primarily four areas, Article 1, Section 4. And everyone heard about this because this is where only state legislatures can change election law, not the governor and not the Supreme Court, only the state legislature. And then Article 4, Section 4, which they call the Guarantee Clause. The United States government must guarantee, they must protect us from foreign invasion and what we call a Republican form of government. And then the other part is the, the 14th Amendment, which is due process and equal protection. But I love to hone in on the guarantee because any law that provides for mail-in ballots or ballot harvesting allows for foreign invasion. And what I mean is in California, we had no signature verification. And then our attorney general said, oh, let's allow ballot stuffing. So if an envelope came in and it had 10 ballots in it, they said, all right, count it, count it. In fact, if it was a piece of paper with a name on it, that counted as a ballot too. And everyone laughs, but trust me, that is headed for the rest of the country right now via something called HR1, which was now then S1. The worst legislation imaginable. And they've used, they've used California as a test kitchen for decades now to run these bad laws through. What can we get away with? And we've got things like the Motor Voter Act out here, where if you're an illegal and you get a driver's license in California, you actually have to opt out of getting a ballot. You're automatically given a ballot. And even though it's a federal offense, it's a felony for you to vote. You have to go out of your way and opt out of getting a ballot. So the guarantee clause says they have to guarantee we will not be invaded. Now, they, they were thinking the shoreline, but this is the ballot box. And who's to say we don't have 30 million ballots 
coming in from China. We have no way of verifying it. We have no safeguards in place. Therefore, any laws that allow for the foreign invasion are blatantly unconstitutional. And these laws have never been challenged in court before. So we're headed to the Ninth Circuit. Regardless, this is a great day for us when we get there. Because if we if they say, no, 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 we don't want you here, go to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court's already telegraphed. It does not view ballot harvesting well. And if they remand us back down to the district court level, we immediately enter discovery. And what that means is we're going to forensically audit all of the ballots and all of the machines in 13 counties simultaneously. It will be Arizona times 13. And this is where we need real help because no one knows how expensive this is going to get. It's never been done before in U.S. history. Never an audit like what we're looking at. So we need help. And unfortunately, we are getting hammered by the Republican Party just as bad as the Democratic Party. Because they don't want us to pursue this. Both sides. Of course. Yep. Tell us quickly the top three issues that are on your agenda to fight for as congressman. A has to be in voter, you know, the election integrity is by, by far the first, because here's the reality, Cindy. Right now, today, I couldn't get elected. No matter how much money I had, I could be like Joe Collins against Maxine Waters, blow through ten and a half million dollars. And I actually did better than he did because there's no integrity to the system. So everything else kind of goes out the window. It has to be, we have to fix what occurs at the ballot box first. But after that, it has to be the border. I don't know if most of your listeners aren't aware of who my opponent is because she flies under the radar for a very specific reason. Her name is Norma J. Torres. She's the only member of Congress from Central America. She's from Guatemala. Now you have to ask yourself, where did Kamala Harris go when she went to Central America? She went to Guatemala Mm -hmm. because she thought that that was going to be a place that was very receptive to her because of my opponent, Norma J. Torres. Now, Norma is the biggest open border proponent there is. And what I believe has occurred now is she's kind of like the madam of Central America, the Pied Piper, who's bringing all those children those young girls and boys out of Guatemala, predominantly over half, over 60% of the people coming across the border are from Guatemala, but they're not coming up here to get better lives. They're coming up here to be sex trafficked and they're coming up into forced labor. We are creating the next wave of slavery in this country right now. We are trafficking in human flesh, unlike any nation on the planet. And all these people screaming for reparations, they need to shut up because right now they're turning a blind eye to the actual slavery occurring right now in our country. And it is horrific. And I believe that my opponent is the key to this because, and here's how I say that, because she picked a fight a few months ago with the president of El Salvador. His name is Naib Bukele. He's a good guy pro-family, pro-life, really big proponent of law enforcement. She picked a fight with him. Now, he's been great at reversing. He's gone to war with MS-13. And El Salvador is now a better place, a safer place to be than Chicago. Okay? So if you're the enemy of that guy, then you're the friend of MS-13 and those who are trafficking 
humans into the United States. And I can further substantiate this because thousands of those kids are winding up about five miles from my house, which is when within direct sight of Norma's house, she can see them in those compounds at the Fairplex in Pomona. Well, Mike, we could talk with you for ages because you are so uh, informative and your candidacy is so unique. Where can our listeners uh, find you, follow you, get involved in your campaign? Well, first, I would ask them to go look at my co-plaintiff, the Election Integrity Project, California. That's EIP-CA.com. And if you want to know more about me, just put in MikeCargile.com, M-I-K-E-C-A-R-G-I-L-E, and that will take you right to Cargile for Congress. And you can see where I stand on a whole host, a whole host of issues. Um, but right now, if I don't fix the ballot box, everything is really an effort in futility. And then we'll focus on the border and then the economy. And, you know, we'll link hands with true conservatives. And and then, like President Trump said, the best days will be ahead of us. And uh, and I look forward to that. God bless you. Thank you for having me on. It's always a pleasure. And my audience now knows you are totally a different candidate. You didn't come up here talking about, you know, money and security and education. You're worried about the most important issue facing every single candidate in every single Republican election on a local, state and national level. Voter integrity, because if we don't fix it, we're finished. True. True. It is the cornerstone. Everything that is happening right now via the Biden administration, we would not assent. We would not give our consent to this. They are governing without the consent of the governed. These people, I say it's like cancer, right? Everyone says they want to cure cancer, but in reality, nobody wants to cure cancer because there's too much money made treating cancer. It's the same thing with election integrity. No one truly, oh, how cute. (laughs) No one really wants to fix it. Trumpy cat. There you go. (laughs) No one wants to fix it. Hey, what's up? (laughs) Make cats great again. There you go. Well, thank you so much for being with us. We're going to share your information. You're invited back anytime. And once again, a true patriot, Mike Cargill, please come back to Cindy's Political Corner. Thank you so much. It's an honor and a pleasure. Hi, I'm Kevin Sorbo, and I always listen to Cindy Celebrity Corner, along with the amazing Cindy Gross. Welcome back to Cindy Celebrity Corner. And joining us now is a publisher. Yes, we've had many authors on the show, but this publisher is trending. And he's going to tell you why, because he has started a company to publish books that offer choice. And we don't hear that a lot these days about choice, and he's going to discuss it. So joining us now Trent Talbert, CEO of Brave Books. Thank you for joining Cindy's Celebrity Corner. Thanks for having me, Cindy. Happy to be here. So tell us a little bit about Brave Books. Yeah, so there's really not been anything quite like it. Um, it's a, we're a, you think of us as a combination between a Marvel-type universe and storyline that teaches a traditional conservative value with every single book. Things like... Um, right to bear arms, cancel culture, uh, um, 
truth, honesty, things like that. And, and we, we're, we basically, we're, we're here because the left is really pushing their agenda down our kids' um, throats and, and there needs to be an alternative to, to that agenda. Well, as somebody who is an education activist and somebody who is suing the Department of Education because of what I saw firsthand, I cannot thank you enough for doing what you are doing. I mean, it's risky, but then again, there are at least 75 million people that support you because you're not telling people not to read what they want. You're telling people there's an alternative, and that is key. Tell us a little bit about the um, authors you're working with. Yeah, so we come out with a new book every single month. And with with each new book, we partner with a conservative icon. Um, You know, the conservative movement's been very blessed by having these uh, voices and and influences out there that are pushing the conservative agenda forward. You know, people like Ashley St. Clair with our first book, which is on gender identity, uh, Jack Posobiec, the Hodge twins, and, and we have some really big names that, that will be announced here shortly. Well, that sounds incredible. And tell us a little bit about what is the content in your book that makes it uh, conservative, how you choose your authors and what they write about. Yeah, well, we, we, look, for, we look for topics that, that seem to be um, that seem to be very, very hot, you know, that, that helps, but, but then also more, more traditional topics like free speech. So, so, you know, the gender identity, CRT, those are very much in the news and our kids are getting inundated with those messages. So we wanted to write books on those topics, but then, you know, we have more of your traditional topics like free speech, um, second amendment, you know, things like that, that we're also going to talk, that we're also going to cover. I gather you're probably receiving great reviews from conservatives who and even you know moderates who support school choice and quality education but are you getting any backlash from the left of course of course i've been called everything under the sun you know transphobe and all this stuff uh, racist even though our books on gender identity <laughs> and it's about a singing elephant who who thinks these are birds somehow that's racist i guess uh but you know that's okay. It comes with the territory, and we we knew that coming in. So so uh, we're we're totally fine with it. But but as far as the the positive reaction, it's been amazing. I mean, we we've got people from all over the world that are just writing us, thanking us. Our website's blown up, bravebooks.us, uh, and yes, yeah, it's, it's it's really exciting. So tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into this. Yeah, well, I was actually I, I am a physician. I was an ophthalmologist, and and this was the furthest thing from my mind, this whole culture war thing. But after my daughter Charlotte was born a little over a year ago, my eyes became wide open that, that this war for our children's hearts and minds is very real. Um, it started with the, net, the Netflix film Cuties that sexualizes young girls. That really blew my mind. And, and it just sort of opened my eyes. And I noticed, you know, anti-racist babies, number one book on Amazon. Nancy Drew came out with a, with a pro-trans book and, and, all of that just happened so quick. I was like, man, there really needs to be an alternative um, to this agenda. And, and so that was the motivation behind it. And then five months later, we, we decided to, to, go, to, to go for it. And it's just been a, quite the whirlwind. Tell us a little bit about uh, the first book, uh, uh, Elephants, 
are not birds and about Ashley St. Clair, your author. Yeah. So the book is about a elephant who can sing really well. And he meets a vulture named Culture, who says, hey, you can sing so well, you must be a bird. And Kevin, the elephant, he, he likes that idea because he likes the idea of being able to fly. So he so the so Culture gives him a beak and some wings and don't want to spoil the book for you, but Kevin turns out that he's not that good at flying. And, uh, but at, in the end, he ends up, you know, embracing, um, his elephantness and, and being happy with the way that God made him. Is there an age range of your books? Um, yeah, I'd say, I'd say there anywhere in the four to 12 range. We've, we've done a lot of product testing with, with local families and, and I've just been shocked at how, how it it really captivates the attention of the of the four year old as well as the as well as the twelve year old, um, yeah. I know it's a broad range, but but it it, it works. So I actually, uh, like I said, I'm an education activist, and I actually helped write legislation in 2016 about oversight of curriculum in classrooms, mm-hmm. and of course, the left for uh, for the tooth and nail. Um, let me ask you, how has this been, um, how have you been received by parents who are promoting school choice, uh, local school boards? Have you addressed the books with them as part of their curriculum? Yeah, you know, I mean, we only launched five days ago, really. Um, oh. Yes. Yeah, so, so, but, but I can't, I tell you, there's, I mean, in our inbox, we've probably seen hun- hundreds of, of uh, emails basically requesting the books for, for schools and things like that. So we're, we're working through that. Um, but yeah, the response has been unbelievable. And uh, where can, I know you mentioned your website, but where else can uh, people find the books and what's the cost and the price range of the books? Yeah, our books are only available at bravebooks.us and um, the price range, it depends on whether you subscribe or not. If you just buy the single book, it's nineteen ninety nine. If you do the month to month subscription and get a book a month, um, then it's fourteen ninety nine. If you pay up front for the for the year, then it's twelve ninety nine per book. Because uh, critical race theory, woke education, and uh, now talk of schools going to close again with the new variant, and now mask in New York and California. Uh, and you know that by September, Randy Weingarten's going to be on every station promoting, you know, emotional distress. Her teachers, her students can't come to school. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be probably one of the top three, I think, issues for 2022 when flipping the House and Senate. Hmm. Are you working with candidates with this book? Are you getting support from people? Are you building up uh, coalitions to make this part of the 2022 education uh, agenda. Yeah, um, we've we've had some some big name um, politicians that that are that are going to partner with us mm-hmm. and 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 yeah, as far as the mask mandates, it's it's definitely something that's that's on our that's on our that's in our sights for for 2022. We want to. You know, I, I honestly thought that we were done with the mass mandates and the shutdown. So I was sort of moving on because I thought that we were getting past this. But apparently uh, Democrats have different ideas. So, yeah, it's definitely something that we're going to we're going to cover at some point in 2022, no doubt. 
Do you have a group of parents that have been contacting you or educators even uh, with materials that are, uh, you know, part of CRT and everything that you stand against to let you, you know, maybe have a group and join in with you to fight what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Um, We've had, we have tons of amazing organizations and, and, um, coalitions reach, reach out to us about partnering and it's definitely something that we're looking forward to. We're just sort of working through all those requests as quickly as possible. Um, but yeah, whenever, whenever we do, um, end up partnering with some of these groups, you can find, find that information on our website, bravebooks.us. Do you think you're going to expand? I know this is brand new, but have there been requests for adult books like this? I mean, a lot of people want to have adult conservative reading, even from enjoyment. Yeah. Um, yes, there has, there has, um, with Senator Hawley's book getting, getting canceled from Simon and Schuster earlier this year, you know, it sort of woke some people up that, that, you know, there's really not too many conservative publishers out there and we need more that are willing to put their necks out and publish, you know, content for, for conservatives. And, and yeah, there's, there's a lot of interest in that right now. Our focus is primarily on kids book because we think of all the markets that's, the least served it's the most underserved and so that's where our focus is right now but there's definitely no no telling where all this ends up we're getting just a lot of a lot a, a great reaction from from conservatives so so i i could definitely see something like that on the horizon what are bad history books for children um yeah potentially potentially i think that's a good idea um you know, there are, there are a few resources out there, but, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to take a, take a shot at that. I think that'd be really cool. So if you had the um, chance to, I don't know if you have met Donald Trump, I'm sure this kind of series is right up his alley. What would you say to him? Yeah, I'd say we'd love to do a book with you. I think it, we could make it one epic book for kids. That's for sure. So yeah, that's, uh, that's on our, he's on our dream list and we hope to, we hope to someday do a book with him. Any other, uh, thing, last minute or last chance, uh, comments you want to share with our audience? Yeah. I mean, you know, even if you're, if you're more of a moderate or even if you're on the left, I, I think that your kids would greatly benefit from, from our books. One, um, there's never been anything quite like it. So instead of just a book, it comes with a free poster, uh, with stickers. Every single book teaches a new conservative, new conservative value and it comes with a sticker. So kids just get obsessed with, uh, with filling out the different, the different characters and putting stickers on the map. And, and each book tells a single story and teaches a lesson, but, but we're telling a very long, um, a very epic um, story arc and, and each book is just part of that. And it's going to be one heck of a ride that, that our, our subscribers are going to go on over the next, you know, five, five or so years. Well, the books are telling facts. So it really does, you know, go past the conservative. It's for anybody that really wants entertainment for their children. That uh, basically is, Awesome. Going and comfortable on all levels. Right. Right. Exactly. That really does transcend the conservative reader. I agree. I agree completely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's, there, there shouldn't be anything too controversial about, about an elephant being an elephant, and not a bird, you know? And, uh, and so, so yeah, I, I agree completely. It's unfortunate that we live in a world where, 
you know, if conservatives want to write a kid's book, it becomes a big controversy. But yeah, I think, I think kid people on the left should, should buy them for their, for their kids, you know, so they can hear different viewpoints. What's the next book and who's the next author coming out? The next book is called Little Lives Matter. It's a book on pro-life and it, it's with Elizabeth Johnson, who's a, um, is an influencer that is very much in the, in the sanctity of life, um, movement. And, and we're super excited about that book. It's, it's a really sweet book that, that parents, parents and kids are going to really enjoy. Well, you'll have to come back on Cindy Celebrity Corner to talk about it. Trent Talbert, CEO of Brave Books. Thank you so much for joining us again. The website, tell them quickly. Bravebooks.us. The only place you can get it, and I suggest you sign up for the series. Maybe there might be another place we're going to be talking about that. Thank you for joining us. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Okay. Hey, everyone. This is Sean Kanan, and I'm hanging out with Cindy Gross on Cindy Celebrity Corner at 620 a.m. If you're not watching, then your karate is a joke. Welcome back to Cindy Celebrity Corner. With us now is a very familiar face, especially if you uh, watch reality TV. He was brought on, I guess, not by choice, but by relationship. Right. <laughs> and uh, Steve Lodge really made himself on Bravo TV uh, a, a person that we could relate to as somebody serious and somebody that wouldn't put up with nonsense and he's taking that attitude of not putting up with nonsense into his latest venture, and he is running for governor of California. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you very much. Great to, uh, great to be on with you. Thanks for the opportunity to talk to you. Well, we always like celebrities. We always really like celebrities that do more than just want to be on TV. And um, we know from the show that you have a background in law enforcement, and we know from the show that you have um, basically uh, very strong convictions about what you believe in. You really weren't one to get involved with the fights. You would constantly say, Vicky, go do your own thing. I'm doing my thing. You are not going to you know, put up with anything from a script. And we're hoping that same behavior and that same personality trait leads to uh, changes in California because we have so many topics to discuss that you are passionate about fixing. I'm in New York and I said, oh my God, this is the same thing going on here. At least you could have a recall. So tell us why you decided to run for governor in California. Well, you know, I, I thought about it for, for quite some time and I looked at all the issues that impacted California and that was taking California down the absolutely wrong road, uh, not only financially, but the, uh, the society was going in that di- in a really bad direction. Uh, our, our public safety was suffering. And that really got me going about the public safety, because in the 1990s, we had a real crime crisis, not only here, but in the, in the country. And we put together a strategy here on the West Coast and in, in Southern California. Uh, and we put a plan into action that was very aggressive. Uh, it didn't have anything to do with the, the drug uh, uh, locking up, you know, people for possession, that type of thing. We were actually going after the violent criminals uh, that were shooting in the streets and, and innocent people were getting hit. 
And we were, ha- I think we had 150 homicides uh, in, a, in a city the size of Santa Ana. Uh, it was really out of control. So we put this plan into action. It took 15 years or we turned in a, a city that had 150 gang homicides, another 50 homicides. And by 2005, we only had five homicides in that city. And we thought we did a great job in the, in the crime. It was, it was like a bedroom community uh, to 2005. But then 2011 came in and Brown and Newsom took control of California. And it was policy and legislation, one after another, that broke down public safety and just put us in the position we're in now. They, they introduced AB 109, which was the uh, uh, taking of the, of the prison population and moving them down to the jail population, which there was no room for, uh, lowering the sentencing, uh, lowering uh, felonies to misdemeanors. So everybody that was locked up is now out on the streets and there's no cycle to take them off and then, you know, back and forth. Uh, the homeless population had exploded from 2011 because of the changes in the drug laws and they weren't keeping anybody in jail, at least just for a few months while they, while they detoxed. Now they're living constantly in a state of uh, under the influence and it, it's just making a mess. And when you create an environment that is palatable to living homeless, they're getting benefits, they're getting fed, they're getting tents, they're getting uh, hotel rooms, they're getting cash. When you create that kind of environment, you're inviting people and homeless people from all over the country to come to your, your West Coast and enjoy the sunshine and have these things taken care of for you and use as many drugs as you want and become addicted and become an alcoholic. And then we have the mentally, uh, mentally ill that need uh, healthcare, ser- healthcare services, mental health services. Uh, it was the perfect storm for not only crime, but homelessness. So, I mean, that's why I got back into this. And, and I waited and waited to see if a, the right candidate would put in. And I waited a long time and I was late putting in. But I thought sooner or later, somebody was going to step up to the plate that had the background knowledge and experience and the resume that I have to actually do the job of cleaning up California and fixing California and do it the right way so we can get back to the California we used to enjoy. I was born and raised here. I'm a native California. I love it here, but not in the state that it is now. So when I asked you what your three topics were that we wanted to discuss, you told me homeless, which you addressed. And by the way, a very good friend of mine, Allie Mills, is running for uh, city, uh, I guess, council in Venice. And her number Mm -hmm. one issue is homeless because Venice. Absolutely. Venice is a mess. Venice is a public safety and COVID mandates. And it's, great to discuss COVID mandates because as I, as I heard today, rumor has it in DC and I heard it from a lot of people on the inside. Don't be surprised in the next month if we're down, you know, locked up again. So I could add to that critical race theory with education. Uh, Let's add to that uh, the cost the rising cost of gas. California's been hit with that, like unbelievable. We have the high. We have the highest cost of living in the continental United States, right here in California. We lost two hundred thousand people. The first time in the history of California, we actually lost population instead of gain. 
200,000 people negative. And that's middle class people that's wealthy that are taking their earned money somewhere else and they'll pay taxes somewhere else. And now we don't have their revenue. So, I mean, it's it's going on in every blue state. Yes. You're lucky enough to have the uh, recall. Tell us a little bit about how you think the recall is going to go and how it's going. How long is it going to take to change California? Well, uh, originally when the, these recalls started, uh, they had like a couple of different competing recalls. So nobody was knowing what they were signing and they, they kind of went away and they finally got it together, uh, you know, without the help of the establishment Republican Party. They finally came in at the end uh, to support it. But uh, they finally got one bout, one uh, initiative going or, or signature going they finally got they got oh like almost two million signatures and so that's finally the one that pushed and that's why it came so late uh there was one a couple couple years ago uh, they didn't qualify for the ballot but right now we have 42 candidates uh 21 republicans i think and the rest uh, democrats uh, green party uh independent and decline the state there's only two questions on the ballot and that is First question is, do you want to recall Gavin Newsom as governor? So if they answer yes, then you go to the next question, which is who do you want to replace him with? He is not on that ballot. So it's not like, you know, he's running on the ballot and all these different people are running and he would get the most votes. No, he's not on the ballot. He's not on the candidate ballot. So if they vote no, then the second question is mute. That doesn't matter. Then he remains governor and he'll run next year again. Sure. Uh, but as he is out there spending like there's no tomorrow and all the money, the surplus money that he was talking about. First of all, that was all borrowed money that uh, the feds printed up and sent out to California and sent to many, many places, in many states. That's all borrowed money. That's all leverage. They're leveraging your children and your grandchildren's future financial future and societal future. They don't care. All they want to do is stay in office. So he's he's spending another, yesterday came out another $1.5 billion uh, for COVID bailouts. Well, if you just open up the state, we wouldn't need any bailouts. So he's out there just throwing money around like a spendaholic to buy votes and to try to fend off his recall by using our children and grandchildren's financial future. So you mentioned uh, his children. He was in the news this week with his uh, son with camp, and you talk about COVID. This person was the biggest hypocrite of all. He was the one eating in French laundry when he was watching the restaurant industry fall apart. Yes. He was the one who was talking about children wearing masks, and his children weren't wearing masks. Yes. It's It's a tale of two cities. What's good for the governor, a Democrat, isn't good for the rest of us. Exactly. And it's just amazing. But we have that in New York here. And yes. uh, unfortunately, like I said, we don't have the, uh, the opportunity for a recall. Where can our listeners uh, find out more about you, your campaign, donate, and volunteer? 
Well, uh, I have uh, lodgeforgovernor.com. Uh, I'm also on Instagram and every day, or usually every day, I might, uh, weekends, I kind of give people the, <laughs> the weekend off to hear about politics. Uh, but most of the time I'm putting out uh, daily issues, issues, answers, and problems and, and answers. So we take an issue, break it down and see if we, uh, if we can have an answer for it to solve it. So they can go on, on my Instagram, which has the most information, I think. And that's uh, Steve Lodge underscore OC. Uh, I'm on Twitter, but, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to handle that many accounts. And I don't have staff. This is a grassroots campaign. Uh, we're working hard with regular people. Not I am not taking any corporate or company money. It's just individuals, you know, just as whatever they can afford uh, to try to keep the, the wheels turning. But this is about the people. It's not about an establishment party. This is what the people need. I don't care if you're Republican, uh, Democrat, Independent, uh, Green Party. I don't care what party you're in or if you don't uh, affiliate at all. These policies and, and all this legislation, legislation over the last 11 years has impacted everybody. It's driven our cost of living through the roof. It's destroyed our public safety. I mean, you go down, you go into L.A. and it is just awful to see what's going on down there. And you have people that come in and run into a store, grab as much as they want, and just stroll out, knowing the police are not going to do anything about it because they lowered the threshold for uh, to a, a petty theft to a misdemeanor at $950. You, now, I don't care what the price tag is on the clothes. If you organize and you intend to steal out of a, out of a department store or out of a house or anything, that's commercial burglary. House would be a burglary. Commercial would be commercial burglary. So you go into a retail store with intent to steal like they are doing, that's a felony. But no, they lowered things to a misdemeanor. And, and, and they're doing it. I saw the video of it. Yeah. So they, they are very successful at uh, going into TJ Maxx and Marshalls in right. suburban neighborhoods, two and three and four together. So they intimidate lots of times elderly, yep. helpless people, people disabled. And they just go in, take center stage. You're in Hollywood. They you know, yep. take the starving role and walk right out. And let me ask you something. Do you blame a cash register, uh, someone working behind the cash register, or even the uh, store security, a single person, when they can't do anything and they're fearing for their own lives? No. I, I mean, if you're, if you're a small business owner and you have a small store, most of your, your ratio for profit is very small, and you don't have the money to, to have security. That's what you pay your taxes for. That's what you have the police for. Uh, when you have a big organization, uh, some of these big department stores, then absolutely you should have security there and enough security that can stop this kind of thing. Uh, but then again, you get into Sue Happy California. You know, we're the, we're the, we're the place where if you try to burglarize a business and you fall through the, their skylight, you sue the business and you, you know, you reap the benefits. That's how crazy it is out here. This is the kind of stuff that has to stop. And it's just, there are so many issues. And a lot of it has to do with public safety and the fact that uh, the, the uh, establishment uh, parties are ignoring my candidacy or trying to, uh, it really shows this is the way they treat 
former law enforcement, a former veteran. It's not the way you treat people. When they have answers to issues, you listen to them. One last question, because I would be remiss if I didn't ask. (laughs) Is Vicki ready to be first lady of California? You know, some people look at the, look at the, the show as a reflection of who Vicki is. She is so much more than just the show. You got to remember that was a television show. People, it's television. So, you know, a person, you know, and it, it, you create entertainment and that's what it's for. But Vicki is a very, very intelligent woman. Uh, she would handle it with a lot of grace and class, more so than really... Uh, Anybody I know. Well, thank you so much for joining Cindy Celebrity Corner. Once again, tell us your website and where people can reach out to you. Uh, my website is lodge4governor.com. And my Instagram is uh, Steve Lodge uh, underscore OC. And that's my full name is actually Steve Chavez Lodge. Chavez is my real name. Lodge is my stepfather's name. I was born Stephen Albert Chavez. (laughs) So we could have a former veteran, former law enforcement who wants to refund the police and protect neighborhoods with a Hispanic background as governor of California. And a a former and a former uh, police commissioner, former budget commissioner, former uh, waste management commissioner, uh, former public policy advisor. And I'm also a licensed insurance agent. <laughs> Vicky made me do that. Well, I hope you whoop it up a little bit. Oh, absolutely. We're, we're having fun. I mean, it's an exciting time. It's a very stressful and uh, serious time for California because this can possibly be the last chance to save California. The last chance to save the country. And with that, I'm going to have to say thank you. We're on a commercial break. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross. And just like that, the hour flew by. I promised you great guest, great conversation, and lots of information to think about. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please let me know what you think. You can reach out to me through my website, Cindy's Corners, and email me through there. Or you can reach me and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Never miss an episode. Download it on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Podbean, Jewish Podcast, and you can also listen to us through the TalkLine Radio Networks. Thank you for joining Cindy Celebrity Corner, where all our angles and points meet, and where you don't have to be Jewish to enjoy the Celebrity Corner.